2020, you know, and we still got some 2020 left. And I don't mean to be a downer, but of the things that are making this 2020 times, how, how much of it's going to carry over into 2021? Uh, I don't want to think about that. What I'd rather think about is that these times will pass. These times always do. And what will we do differently because of this time? That's what I wanted to ask this morning. What will we do differently because of this time? First thing is, I'd like to be more responsive to our times. And I think this is more of a me thing. I actually think Pastor Dan and Pastor Marta do a pretty good job of uh, responding to our times and bringing the word of God to bear on what's going on. But I, I don't do that great of a job at it. Um, you already know this. Uh, many times through the years, there's been a big event in the news, a big tragedy happened in the nation or in the world. And you come Sunday morning seeking the word of God. And if I'm preaching very often, I haven't dealt with it much at all. Maybe just a line or two. And I know that's left some of you kind of uh, left you hurt and, and confused. And I want to say I'd like to do better at that in the years to come. I would like to explain why I have been that way. Because um, s- some of the communication I've got indicated there's been some, some misunderstandings of why I'm that way. So when, a, when an event breaks in the news or in your social media, it happens. Especially if it happens like, like Wednesday or Thursday. By Sunday... I'm just not convinced that we have the whole story yet. And I don't want to stand up and say a bunch of things and find some scriptures and come to bear, only to find out a few days, a few weeks later, the rest of the story is going to come out. The rest of the video is going to be released. And then I have to undo all that. And, and uh, you know, I, I said all the wrong things because I didn't really know what was going on. Now, I know that kind of sounds like this kind of moniker now that goes around fake fake news um, I'm not really jumping on that bandwagon I've been this way for a very very long time when I was a freshman in high school we had a, a protest a sit-in protest at least I'm at high school student organized protest I I was one of the student organizers so we went to the field house we left class we had speeches um, we we made our points the media was there Now, as we were leaving, there was about eight kids who didn't really want to go back to class. They were kind of like, they were stoner kids. They were were my friends. I knew who they were. Um, And they just didn't want to go back to class. And so they stayed after and chanted some stuff and and lit a small fire in the field house. And then they got in trouble. So um, that night, though, I went home and turned on the news, wanted my parents to see what we'd accomplished. The student organized protest was about 10 seconds. All the rest of the reporting was on those eight kids who stayed after and what they were chanting and the clash they had with the principals over not going back to class. And I, I turned to my dad. I said, Dad, that's, that's not what happened today at all. He just kind of said, well, son, welcome to journalism. Through the years, I've been a part of many events, many local events and seen things. And then when I see the reporting on them, they've been vastly different than what occurred and then there's events I wasn't a part of that I only knew through the, through the screen or through what I read. Like when Ashley and I first got married, there was this gal, she'd entered a vegetative state. She had some sort of accident. And her husband was told she's not going to recover. And so he was making the decision to remove life support. And then, according to the news story, her meddling parents who just couldn't let go of their little girl got a court order blocking the removal of life support 
to prolong her husband's guilt needlessly. That was the story. Now, about 10 years later, this story comes back into the news. She's still in a vegetative state. Only now it goes like this. There's these parents who have this daughter that they love dearly and they're trying to take care of her medical needs, but she has this fiendish evil husband who wants to pull the plug on her so he can get on with life with his new girlfriend. Here's the weird part. Same news show ran both stories. From the same set of facts, they conjured up two completely different events with different bad guys and good guys and motivations, and they were totally reversed. It's almost like everything you see and read ought to come with loosely based on actual events. And how many times have you watched something? It seems so clear what is right and wrong and what has happened. And then weeks or months later, a full video will come out of the whole day and what has transpired, and it's completely different than what you believed at the beginning. I don't want to get into uh, preaching around and popping off too quickly and distancing myself from this and aligning myself with that when I don't give myself much chance of really knowing what's going on. I've been this way for a long time. I remember on 9-11, that horrible Tuesday morning. And, and Chris Lee, your, your music director, he, he called into the office. He said, well, what are we going to do about Sunday morning? And I said, oh, what do you mean? He said, well, we can't do the Sunday we were going to do after all this has happened. I said, Chris, we don't know what's happened. Is this an accident? Is it an attack? If it's an attack, who did it? Is it someone foreign? Is it some domestic group? There's just too much to know to alter Sunday morning over it. And Chris said, well, we know 5,000 people are dead and that everybody's really scared. He is absolutely right. Without knowing the details, there are timeless truths that we need. And when these kind of events happen and these kind of horrors happen, you come here for community. You come here for a word of God. You come here to pray. And when I don't address it at all, it leaves you hanging and actually drives you back to exactly the same sources that I don't trust, but that's all I leave you with. So I could do better. I want to do better. I will do better. The word of God always has something to say about death and about disease and about race and about what it means to live in a civil society and freedom and violence and peace. Scripture always has something to say about that. And we come to be reminded of those things. And I will do better to honor that in the future. The next thing we want to do differently after these 2020 times, this is kind of a cheater because it's going to be, I'm going to tell you something we're not going to do differently. Um, But we're going to stay on mission. The mission of our church to build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ was God ordained when he laid it on our hearts before 2020. And it's carried us quite well through 2020 so far. And it will continue to be the hope of the world after 2020. So we're going to stay on mission because... When I sit where you're sitting, you know, when Pastor Dan's preaching, Pastor Marta's preaching, Adam, Taylor, anybody else, when I'm sitting where you're sitting, I'm actually pretty simple about church. When I'm out there stuck in emotions or thoughts, uh, I need a challenge from the Word of God. And when I'm sick or hurting, I need comfort 
And when I'm confused, I need instruction. And when I'm feeling empty, I need to be reminded of the of purpose and the great commission that God has. When I feel alone in the world, I need an affirmation to know that other people have gone through this too. When I'm overwhelmed, I need help. When I'm celebrating, I need someone to cheer with. In short, I need community. I need community, and that's our vision, to build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And it has great power, and I believe God's power is invested in those things, and I believe those things have great power to change the world around us. In fact, I believe they have more power to change the world around us than a celebrity pastor with a big Twitter account. Um, than a mega church ministry. I, I have loved mega church ministries and I have had my favorite celebrity pastors. I have followed them. I have copied them. I have studied them. And now I've lived long enough to see many of them fall by the wayside and fall into the temptations and sins that accompany fame and influence. And it just convinces me all over again that it's these small things that hold us together. Small groups, all you guys in small groups and all you small group leaders, you're, you are what has held our church together through the pandemic. All those groups meeting in driveways and on patios and meeting on Zoom and learning how to use Zoom, you're, you are what has held us together and you're going to keep being what's holding us together. And Mike Zung in that Dave Ramsey class, Financial Peace University, that he's done two or three times around here. Uh, before him, um, Matt and Lenny were doing it. But that, that has put something into the DNA of this congregation that's made a big difference. You know, 70% of churches are in major financial decline this morning. We're not. And what a blessing, but I believe... Mike in that class put something into the DNA of this church that let us know how to have financial peace and what all our financial means are really for. Mike, I think we're going to need another one of those here uh, <laughs> real soon, the way things are going, but we'll have it. God bless you. Mercy Street, those fat folks who meet so faithfully every Saturday night at 5.30 to come against those strongholds, hurts, habits, hangups, addiction, to break that power. You know, there's worship at Mercy Street. When you show up for Mercy Street, there's worship. And there's just something about coming into a room and saying, tonight in this room, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell the whole truth about myself and who I am. And when I walk out of this room, I'm still going to be loved. And it happens every week. I tell it all. And I'm loved if that doesn't spring you into an authentic worship of God for his grace, I don't know what will. That has great power. It's emergency response when Mike and Sue take us into a hurricane zone or a tornado, tornado zone. We just do the most human thing you can do in those circumstances. It just helps somebody rebuild. It just helps somebody put their house back together again. It's all these one life ministries. We got to get back to this stuff. I think a global orphan project and, uh, you know, working through those local churches all over the world. You know, there's been an epidemic at the same time as COVID. There's been an epidemic of domestic violence. You've heard this? It's not just in our country. It's global. It's global. The Global Orphan Project uh, has something called the, fam the Father's Family Program. Uh, local churches all over Africa and the Middle East. I think it's coming to Haiti soon. They... they 
take families from there that serve in their church and they help them strengthen their family to prevent the creation of orphans, to give the family what they need to stay together. Do you know that in Uganda, there have been no reports of domestic violence from families who are part of the father's family program? You know what it costs to do the father's family program, to to have a family in that program for two years? $10 a month. $10 a month. It's the small things that make a difference. That's just local churches, you know, in big cities and out in the bush. It's a milestones ministry. You know, right now this month, all of our second grade families are signing up to learn about the sacraments of the church and the Lord's table. And it's about signing up for, you know, Dan's doing generation eight. That's one of our milestones to go away and learn to pray. Now, some of the folks, not all of them, but some of the folks in there, they're signing up because their faith feels dried up, dried out, wrung out, repetitive. They're going to go and learn that there's a whole new dimension of prayer. There's a whole new way of meeting with God. I mean, that's like a Hollywood story to think that your faith is dried out, wrung out, used up. And then to go and find out there's a whole new world of prayer and relationship with God. That's a great story. And fun. We need fun. Man, don't we need some fun. Last year, the suicide rate of middle-aged males doubled. In one year, the suicide rate of middle-aged males doubled. Not everyone's talking about it, but men are in trouble. Men need friends. We know that men gain their friends through doing things that they enjoy together. That's what our men's ministry is about, bringing guys together, finding out, do you even remember what you enjoy anymore? And who else might enjoy that with you? And our men's ministry taking a huge hit with COVID because getting together is like the opposite of what you can do. But we'll get back to it. Because once men form those friendships, doing things they enjoy, then out of that, God uses that community. There's such power in that community. God bless Kent Tipton and the Man Food Monday. They've been going back out. And I've seen at the table, eating barbecue, spiritual things happen. God is using that. So we're going to stay on mission because it's the simple things that have this great power of God in them. And the third thing we have time for today, and we don't even have to wait for the 2020 times over to do this differently, but we need more stories. We need more stories about the power of God working in your lives. So everyone, our nation is so secular right now and becoming more secular every day. What does that mean? It just means people don't feel a cultural pressure to come to church anymore. If they don't come to church, most people now don't really feel good or bad or anything about that. It's just off the radar. Even the average Christian now only attends church every four to six weeks. That's not good. It also, being more secular, means that people are less and less moved, convinced, interested in anything that a preacher says. Preachers have really shifted in culture and and the interest in folks like me is down and going down. People are kind of figured out like, okay, the preacher works for the church. They're paid to say churchish sorts of things. Now, none of this means people need God less. 
They need God just as much as they ever did. They're just aware of it less. And when they sense the emptiness, they're less likely to know what it is and even less likely to know what to do about it. What do you do about this? It's been studied now for 20 years, maybe more. Scholars, philosophers, seminary professors, your own elders. And as we've studied this, one answer comes up every time at the end of the study. What people need is more stories about the power of God in lives like yours. More stories about the power of God in lives like yours. Now, here's the sad part. During this last decade that we at Lakeland have been aware of this, that we need more stories from folks like you. You have been willing to tell your story less. As the culture has needed your story more, you have been willing to tell your story less. When I first got into ministry, every time you saw my story up here, someone giving their testimony, we'd have to call about three people before we'd find someone who would say yes. That was, that was 15 years ago. Now, runs about nine. For every person you see up here giving their my story, there are usually about nine people behind them who have said no. And, and anymore, by the time you get through nine or ten people who have said no, there just isn't time to call anybody else. So you see less stories, which is exactly what the world needs more of. People say no because they don't have time. We're asking for one page, single space typed, but they don't have time to produce that. Just don't want to. Don't feel like they'd be any good at it. Don't have a story to tell. We hear that one a lot. I don't have a story to tell. Uh, Everyone, this is not getting it done. This is not getting our mission done. This is not what God has called us to. And all these reasons are all about, you know, me or you or whoever's saying no. It's losing sight of the vision of who this is all for. God is always acting in your life. And what the church and the world needs right now is a people who will notice it and jot down a few notes and, and say something about it. People need to hear it. And actually, we don't want good speakers up here. Good speakers look a little too much like a preacher. That's why we say, get up there and just read it. Don't practice it a bunch and memorize it. Well, I might cry. Well, that's part of it. I might stutter. That, that all goes with it. That people look and say, no, that's how I would do it if they made me get up there and do that. That's what I'd sound like. That's real. The power of God happened to a real person. If you think, well, I'm not a very good writer. Pastor Marta used to be an English teacher. She'll edit your story whether you want her to or not. She'll get it fixed. And we don't need your whole life story. You're like, well, I wasn't born addicted to crack and ran guns for the Colombians and then I found Jesus and everything's great. We're not looking for that. Sometimes we're just looking for something simple that happened last week. You know, what changed your mind that you were able to get out of debt after a year? What did the Lord do that let that happen? How is your relationship that was so rocky with your teenager, why this year did it turn? You could share how your mind was changed about helping around the house. You know, I used to dodge all the chores and then the Lord moved and I started, something happened. What happened? We don't need finished stories all the time either. We need those stories that say uh, why you're trying to be faithful even though you have doubts. And why you're clinging to community even though you're mourning the loss of a child or a spouse. Why are you clinging to community in that time? 
Why are you still praying even though you don't hear God like you used to? You know, you're thinking, why would you want to hear a story like that? What a downer. Because everybody's going through that. And everybody will go through that. And everybody, when they go through that, they get so scared and they think, well, you know, maybe I should leave the church. I don't fit anymore. But your story tells them, oh, okay, that happens. That's part of the journey of faith. I fit. That's an affirmation. We need those stories. So I asked uh, Scott Patton to come. I figured if I couldn't call somebody and get him to say yes, I'd just ambush him. Scott found out he's doing this about 25 minutes ago or an hour ago, I guess now, 25 minutes before the service started. Uh, wash your hands after you handle that. All right. Yeah. So Scott, uh, just a little background. You are one of Kansas City's first community paramedics. You're the first community paramedic. So Scott's paramedic, but he doesn't answer 911 calls anymore. Now Scott is assigned to the people who call 911 all the time, but don't need it. You know, people who like, they call a firefighter just to help them get back into their wheelchair. So Scott is for those members of the community who need help, but not emergency help. So he's an emergency worker helping people with these situations. Now your calls now last hours. Yes. They last hours now. Dispatch Dispatch calls me a lot. Hey, what are you doing? I'm still working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. you had an experience last weekend? I, yes, during the week, you had, Thursday. Yeah, tell us what you did and then how you began to see God use it in that area right away. Sure enough. Thanks, Garrett. Uh, I, um, so, I've been a community paramedic since the 1st of June. And Kansas City has never had this position before. So, it's been really a lot of work just trying to figure out what we can do for people that call the ambulance a lot or don't have their life together. And uh, one of the first clients that I had has been calling the ambulance, well, before I started working with him, uh, six times in the weekend uh, he was transported by ambulance. Uh, And it could be, I need food, I need to be cleaned up. He lives in his power chair. He's 84 years old, uh, but he wants to be independent. He wants to be live his life until he can't anymore. And, uh, but he's become bitter over the past few years. Uh, Liz lived in this apartment alone. His family comes only at the beginning of the month to get money from him. And uh, he's just a lonely guy and, and somewhat bitter. Uh, so uh, he was on my list to address. And what I did initially was to get people that dealt with him together to talk about how we're going to deal with him. And that included a social worker from the hospital, the people uh, that work in his apartment building, uh, the state got there in on it, and we sat around and talked, and then he joined us in the, in the meeting, and uh, then we had another meeting with uh, another group that was going to become his home care service, and things started to change for him. Uh, he called one time in those two weeks. I'm praying that he hasn't called this weekend. But anyways, um, this has not been edited by Ed, uh, Marta at all. So <laughs> I may ramble. Anyway, so this meeting went on Thursday. And I came back and saw him a little later because I did laundry for him and took out his trash. And he was telling me, I, you know, I think things are coming back for me. I'm... I'm feeling like things are changing. I, I'm, he's just happier. 
and and he asked me to pray for him when I went by his father's house. And he says, if I get to church, I'll pray for you too. And it was just really seeing this bitter guy being considerate about the people that are caring for him, which is totally out of the norm for him. And so I left his apartment thinking, all right, well, this is going pretty good. I'm feeling good about myself. And I went and talked to the apartment manager. And I says, you know, I think, I think Alonzo's taking a turn. He seems kind of happy. And she says, that's great news. I, I, I thought he was going to get kicked out today. And so I'm like, this is awesome. I love this job. And I'm walking out to my car, and I'm feeling pretty good. And then the maintenance guy from the apartment building comes up to me. He goes, hey, hey, can you come over here? I said, sure. This is Mark. He's a nice man. I saw him praying over his Kentucky Fried Chicken at lunch. He's a nice guy. And he's, uh, he goes, you know, I've been dealing with Alonzo for two years now, and he's the bitterest old man and just so unhappy. And yet, I've never seen someone so compassionate and caring for a bitter man like that. And it, it makes me feel guilty about that because I think I can do better. And because of you, I'm going to be a better man. And I thought, well, that's great. <laughs> I shook his hand and I got in my car and I called my wife and I says, I got to tell you a story, but I'm going to cry when I do it. <laughs> and it is it's just really fired me up to know that, that God's been working in my life and working through me to make an impression on not the guy, not just the guy that I'm there to care for, but for people around me witnessing what I'm doing just because somebody needs some help. And uh, so I thank God for placing me in this position. I, I know, looking back over my life, that it's, it's been 35 years but it was all for this, and uh, I thank him every day for it. Thanks for listening. That's a story. It's just something that happened last weekend. It's the power of God. I mean, what if every apartment building in our city had someone like that, that everyone could see and be like, well, I can be a better man. That's why we need you to tell your story. So you want to A, around here, when we call to ask you to tell your story, just say yes. I know you don't have time. Just start writing it anyway. And I know you don't think you're going to be a good writer. Marta will clean it up. And I know you don't want to get up here and cry, but Scott cried. Did he live? Yeah. Did it have power? Yeah. Plus, I cry all the time. So, you know. I have no sympathy for you. <laughs> we need the power of God. God's story wants to be told through you. And, and people are going to believe that a lot more than anything I, I said today. The world needs it. Amen. In fact, start noticing what God has done. Just jot it down. Send it in an email to me. Send it in an email to Marta. Let's build a library of these things. Don't make us hunt you. If you saw God at work and it, it had an effect on you like that, share it. Share it. We'll, we'll log it away. We may pull it out one day. Hey, your, your number's up. Today's the day for you. It'd be awesome. I would love it if we had a story every week. If we had a story every week of what God has done. It would be a great revival in our community, I believe. Amen.